0: I just say before um, we get into what God's put on my heart, we're going to pray. Vito, man, I so much appreciate you, your heart. I love this guy. God gave this guy to us to lead us, you know, into that place where we can hear God and, and really respond as he was encouraging us. And I just think the best thing we can do right now is let's, let's pray. God, we, we stand as we are physically standing in this room, God, in awe of who you are. We acknowledge, God, we're here because we believe, God, you are the almighty God. And we believe, God, that you are stretching your arm across this nation. We sense there's something that you are doing to prepare your people. And, God, we do not want to miss. We do not want you, God, to pass us by. And for us to miss something that you are doing, God to change us, to change the scope of eternity for so many people. And so, God, I I pray that you will speak to us, God. Speak to us out of Luke 19. Give us, God, that moment that you came into the city of Jerusalem, that you were so wanting everyone to connect with who you were. And God, I pray in the same way that you have our eyes lifted up, God, our hearts engaged and our mind open to what you have for us today. I love your people, God, so much. I love what you're doing. And God, today we say together, we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, I just want to say out of the get-go... I am so glad that you're here on a snowy day in Mission View. I woke up this morning, I'm like, where's the sun? What happened? We're in SoCal, but it's all good, right? Rain or shine, we're going to be here loving Jesus with all our heart. And um, before we get into um, the message, we're in Luke 19 today. Um, I, I, I just want to take a moment to um, share with you that I, I want so much for this to be, to feel like home for you and if you are here maybe first, second time and kind of new to the place, we have a special lunch right after the second hour called Starting Point, and it's just an opportunity for us to kind of just share our story with you. We want to hear about your story, but most of all, we want to get into what God is doing and what we believe God is doing here in our city of, of Mission Viejo, and we want you to really feel a part of that. But aside from that, we offer that at the um, conclusion of the second service, I, I just I don't know how to express myself. I just want you to feel like this is home. That all of your fears, all of your anxiety, worries, stresses, whatever you got going on in your life, that this is a safe place for you. And I want you to feel good about telling your friends about who Jesus is, what he's done in your life, and feel like you can bring your friends here. I'm always excited, you know, when. uh, most of you um, have brought friends here to MVCC that you work with, or family, or people that you live next door to, and, and I always feel like on the inside when you say, Pastor Mike, this is so-and-so, and I invite him to services today, and there's something inside of me that like, oh, I'm so glad that you felt like you could bring somebody here. I, I don't know if any of this makes sense, but I, I just want you to know that um, our heart is with you, we are together, and I believe that... Um, God is really on the move of doing something really big, and I just want us to be a part of it together. That, does that make sense? Yes. Amen. Easter is coming quickly <laughs> on April 9th. We are going to be on Easter Sunday, and I just, these are special invite cards that are available to you um, at the connection point in the back, and I just want to encourage you, take a stack of them, take as many as you like, and you just, you know, you never know when you um, invite somebody. You know, they say Easter, of course, is one of the most attended services of the entire year, but um, Easter Sunday is the one Sunday that if you have a friend, someone that you have... Um, relationship with, most people will come to an Easter service because they trust you. They say, oh, if you go to that church and you're not weird, okay, I'll, I'll go with you to that church. And so these are just provided with information for you um, to pass out to some folks. Now... Um, we provided on Insta- uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all, just all the avenues of social media, which is such a really good tool to just get the word out. That if you go to the website mvcchome.org and you go down to where it says Easter and you click on that, um, I w- really want to encourage everybody to like that on your social media, and then if you could share that with somebody else, it just helps, you know, an easy invite for folks who maybe um, are searching for something. Have you noticed that people are searching? They're looking, and of course, the answer is Jesus. I'm so glad that, that you found him. Um, also, we're doing something a little different this year. Um, ten, the uh, two weeks, two Sundays after Easter um, on April 9th, tend to be a very low attended. Um, Sunday. I feel like, you know, everybody goes on Easter Sunday, not all of you, but just folks, you know, they go in to kind of punch their time card in for God. And that's cool. I'm glad that we packed this, God packs this place out and we have opportunity to just let people know we're here for you. Jesus is risen from the dead. He can change your life. But uh, aside from that, the next two Sundays, we're calling them um, family field days. And uh, what I want to ask you to do is please pray about and invite someone to those next two Sundays. We're providing um, activities for all the kids, and then we're having some very specific things for you to do with your kids here on the campus after the services are over. So um, I I just want to encourage you with all that to get the word out, um, shake it up a little bit, um, ask people if they're interested, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about church? I would love for you to come to my church. Fair enough? All right, you ready to go? Yes. All right, I hope you have your Bibles open to Luke 19. Um, Jesus, when he was on the earth 2,000 years ago, I believe the most important week of his life was toward the end. We're calling this series um, that I've just been praying a lot about where we're going through the gospel verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But I'm calling this home stretch. Because Jesus is really at the last week of his life. A lot of important things are going to be happening. We're going to see a lot of unfortunate opposition that's going to come against Jesus. We're also going to see some incredible teaching that he gives to his 12 followers and to those that are following him. Even at some point during uh, his last week, hundreds of people were around Jesus Christ. Um, We're also going to see... The last night of his earthly life before he is crucified, on the most important meal that he has with his 12 men that he loved, and he wanted them to engage with him, and he was going to send the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, and the very last meal that Jesus has with them is just an incredible, touching, moving moment that I don't want us to miss. Now, in this section, in Luke 19, we're going to start in verse 28. We're going to work our way down as far as we can. Jesus just gave this incredible parable last week. We looked at He wants us to engage with God. And He wants us, through the power of His Holy Spirit, to produce the qualities that Jesus has in our own life. And so He talks about that. And so after He finishes that parable, now we're going to jump into um, Luke 19. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read Luke 19 starting in verse 28 and then we're going to get right to it. So after, tell, after Jesus was telling the story, the story about the parable about he wants us to produce, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. Can I just say this out of the get-go? I'm with him. I want to follow where he's leading me. As Vito was saying, I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to lean on his understanding. So I just like the visual here that Jesus is out in front leading his men that he loved dearly. And as he came to the towns of Beth- Bethage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, which is a very familiar place for Jesus. He had been there many times with his disciples and had those quiet moments of instruction and most of all prayer. He sent two of his disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. And so they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. Uh, The gospel of John says they waved palm branches. And when he reached the place where the road um, started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory to God in the highest in heaven. But some of the Pharisees, those religious types, church people, among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers But just as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he begins to weep. Oh, how I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on you from every side and they will crush you into the ground and your children with you your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize here it is because you did not recognize it when God visited you in the Old Testament, there are moments and what we call Bible prophetic words. Words that were spoken among the greats of the Old Testament. Moses, Abraham, David, just to mention a few of them. And God used these men and women to pen the very word that we have and speak through their heart and through their personality, but most of all inspired of future events that were going to happen. The incredible thing about that. Is if maybe you're here with us, maybe kind of checking out Christianity or got some questions about the Bible. Maybe you're here still kind of learning a little bit about it. I just want to say out of the get-go that God knew you were going to be sitting right here at this moment at this time. And so he gave over 300 prophetic words from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I just want you to be encouraged that every single prophetic word that came from Scripture has come to pass. In the Bible, there's no mistakes. There's no contradictions. There's no misprophetic prophetic words. There's no misprophecies. Every single prophecy has come to pass. I'll just give you an example of a couple. Zechariah predicted that the Messiah would ride in on a donkey into Jerusalem at the very same day, which we're going to look at here. It's incredible how God worked all this out that was prophesied back in the Old Testament. Daniel predicted that the Messiah would show up 483 years after the commandment was given by King Artaxerxes that the restoration of the city of Jerusalem would happen. We'll get into that in just a second. It's fascinating stuff to me. Malachi chapter 3, that he would come to the very temple, which we'll also look at here in a moment. So I just, I just want to say out of the get-go that God plans everything. He knows everything. So why, Pastor Mike, are you worried? Why are you worried about tomorrow? Why are you stressing about what's going to happen? I want you to trust me. If I could put all those events together in one moment, that the moment that Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem and save all of humanity from their sins, why don't you think that I can work out everything in your life? And I just, I just want to stop and encourage all of us here today that God is sovereign. He's in control. I know that it may not seem that way when we look at the world. There's all kinds of chaos going on and evil and hatred and division and problems and suffering and all those things. It doesn't mean that God is not in control. He's in control. He loves you. He's got a plan. And he wants us to stay on his plan. Not on our plan, but his. Now I want you to see this. Thousands of people, I believe, are with Jesus in this parade-like moment. There's a groundswell of excitement. The city is packed. Commentators believe, I want you to catch this, there were up to 2 million people, Jewish people that were gathered together in Jerusalem. Palm branches are waving. The disciples are so excited. And I don't think they had a full yet understanding of why Jesus was entering into Jerusalem The very last time, and what his purpose was. But I see two things here that are helpful for me. One is they absolutely, even though they didn't understand everything, they trusted and they had number one faith. They had faith to do what Jesus told them to do. Go into the village. I want you to untie the colt. If they ask you, we just—that's a little weird, isn't it? That would be like um, if someone had a really nice Ford Raptor, you know, truck, Ford truck in our in our parking lot, and I say, hey, um, Jeff. And Jacob, could you guys go get that raptor and bring it to me? And if anybody asks you, just say, Pastor Mike says he needs it. (laughs) Would never do that, but that just sounds... But here's why I think Jesus did that. He wanted the disciples to know, I'm in control. I know everything that's happening. And everything I say is going to come to pass just As I told you. So it's some confirmation that God is still in this thing. The second thing I love here, even though they didn't fully understand, it seems a little weird. They're going into the village, grabbing a colt, bringing it over to Jesus, and the guy says, What are you doing? The Lord needs it. It just seems odd to me, and it is a little odd, but I think Jesus was testing them. Are you gonna trust me? Are you gonna obey me when something doesn't make sense? Jesus had a plan. The disciples thought, and I'm sure most of the people in Jerusalem, I thought, he's here. Blessed is he who comes. We've been waiting for you. We've been anticipating this day. I just just want to take a little detour here and tell you something that I thought was absolutely fascinating to me about years and years ago in the Old Testament. The very day that we just read here in Luke chapter 19 was already prophesied. If you have your uh, Bible markers there, if you just want to make a side note, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, there's a timeline. This is thousands of years in the Old Testament before Jesus moves into the city of Jerusalem for the last time. In the Bible, they use what's called a counting system, where they used weeks which represents years. So just stay with me here for a second. I'm just going to give kind of a broad brush explanation of why this is fascinating to me. And if you want to do some further study, I just want to encourage you to Google this stuff. This stuff is so cool. In Daniel 9:24, there's that timeline to the future. Daniel was depressed. He was in question because he saw the captivity of Israel under the rule now of the Babylonian people. And he thought in his mind, wait a minute, the Messiah is supposed to come, and we're supposed to prepare for that, but Israel's been in captivity for all these years, and so he's reading the book of Jeremiah. An angel comes to Daniel, if you have more time, I really want to encourage you to dig through this. An angel comes to him and says, Israel's going to have another chance, even though they disobeyed me and ran away from me, and I brought Babylonia to them to put them in kind of a a state of, of captivity to teach them a lesson, I'm going to give Israel a second chance. But don't you love God for that? That he always gives a second chance for us, even though we may have walked away from him. 69 times 7 weeks of years equals 483 years. This is on the Jewish calendar, 360 days, if we to go back and count every single day in a year, That means 483 years at 360 days equals 173,880 days. 445 B.C., before any of this happened, King Artaxerxes sent a decree to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And 483 years to the date, Jesus rides into the city of Jerusalem. Isn't that cool? I mean, what that tells me is that God has everything under control. He knew that we'd be sitting here. We weren't there on this, this day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, but now that I know this, I'm like, God, you are amazing. You are absolutely amazing, God. You can fix any problem. You can, you, can, you can heal any situation, God. You see everything that's going on. If you could see the very day and calculate from thousands of years, 483 years to the very date, God, you are so awesome. And what they wanted was, Lord, save us from inflation. Save us from the wars. Save us from the Russians. Save us from China, who's maybe going to attack Taiwan. Save us from the rumors of wars. Save us from climate change. Save us, God, from high mortgage rates. That's really what they wanted Jesus to do. Free us from the Roman rule. We want to be able to worship. We want Israel to be the power nation. And we want you to sit on your throne. And we want to be with you on your city council. Did you see where they were? They were thinking earthly. They were thinking, Jesus, you're going to set up your earthly kingdom, and we're going to be here forever with you, man. Put us on your right and put us on your left. Listen, I don't think that necessarily we jump on the disciples, I think, negatively too often. I don't blame them for that. I mean, they should have been listening when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. I'm going to rise from the dead. He said it over and over again. They missed it. But at least they knew the scripture enough to know that the Messiah would come and set up his rule. It just wasn't the right timing yet. When Jesus Christ takes us to be with him forever, depending on which Uh, viewpoint you you, you land on in the tribulation. We will come back with the Lord. There will be a 1,000-year reign of Jesus reigning over the earth the way it was supposed to be, the Garden of Eden. We get to be a part of that. But they had missed the times. And so with all of that, now we see the opposition. Tell your disciples to shut up. What are they doing? They're making fools of themselves. What are they, these guys, what, what, listen, if they don't cry out, the very stones that I created, Jesus is saying. He's, again, he's pointed to the fact that he is God Almighty. And he's saying if they don't cry out, these very stones, the Phillips translation says, which I like that one, burst out into cheering. He's just making all of creation knows Jesus Christ. All of The trees that where they were created, the branches lift up to heaven. I believe everything that God created is in subject to him. He is the ruler over everything. And here's what I love about God, is he's seeking worshipers with genuine and authentic worship. Amen. He's not looking for just rote songs that we sing and just stand and do this because we've always done it. It's just what we do and we sing and we punch our time card in for God. He's looking for heart worship. In John chapter 4 verse 24, he said, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for your heart to engage with his heart. I'll tell you what, I, life is getting shorter every day that we live on this earth. It is another screaming opportunity to say, are you going to praise me? Are you going to serve me? Are you going to worship me? I want to send the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So it's not you living, it's God living through us. And what he's looking for is heart that's the problem with the religious leaders of that day they wore the flowing robes they had their Torah they knew the scriptures and they were pointing their finger at everybody else and God is not looking for religiosity he's not looking for folks who have all the knowledge without the heart Jesus wants the heart that's what was so sad about this next scene that I I really don't want to talk about this but I need to talk about this that Jesus steps back from the crowd, I believe, and he looks on the entire city. Now, when it says he looks on the city, I don't think he was looking at buildings with that intent. I think he was looking at the people. And here we see the Savior of the world, the one who put the planets into motion, and he weeps because of lost people. The the, the saddest part of this text, if you only knew what he really is saying, you should have known, you know the scriptures, I'm here, right, I'm right here, I'm right here to save you, you're missing it, he missed, unfortunately, his mission and they missed his message. The question I have over and over again when I read this text is why? Why, why, why did they miss him? That Jesus is right there. Uh, Why is it that people today, people in your life that you care about, that you love, that you want them to know the Lord. Isn't it just sometimes it's frustrating? Why can't you just surrender your life to Jesus? Or have you seen maybe someone who believes in Jesus, but they're stuck? They're stuck because of past, or they're stuck because of the present, or stuck because of the future, and you, it's frustrating to watch someone, and you want them to be delivered. You want them to be freed. You want them to live above it all, that it might be spiritual blindness that we can't see. The enemy is, he's such a sly one. He's so slick. He's such a liar. He's the father of lies. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy your life. If there's anything He can do to give you spiritual blindness or others around you spiritual blindness, that's why it's so important. We've got to pray. Prayer is the only weapon that we have in the unseen world. A church that does not pray together will not stay together. Where are the prayer meetings? We have all kinds of activities and fun, and there's nothing wrong with having activities and events and things for people. We want to draw them into this incredible family, but that's not the end all. The real power... Of God is found in prayer. And he's saying here, The destruction of Jerusalem is coming. That's why he was crying. I see the city walls coming down. I can see. If you Google all the stuff, it's fascinating. In 70 AD, Rome is going to come and ransack the entire city. Take everybody out. And God is saying, I don't want that to happen. But because you are running away from me, I can't force you. These things are going to happen. And I'm sorry. But this is the way it's going to be. And so he says the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD will happen. They had their own idea Of what Jesus was supposed to be doing. And before I jump on them too quickly. Where is it in my life that. Jesus, I want you to do this. This is what the church should be doing. This is what you should be doing, God. And how come you're not doing this for me? And why didn't you solve this problem here? And How come I don't have an answer there? And why isn't my uh, daughter saved? And why isn't my my husband saved? And how come, how come, how come, how come? And Jesus' idea of why he came was, I came to redeem you. I came to call you by name. I came to save your soul. I came to forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong. I came to put a new heart in you. I came to transform your life to give you a second chance to lift you up to give you hope for eternity. It's not all about this life as much as God wants to bless us and experience life here. It's about eternity. That's where we're going to be with him forever. And so he says, "Look. This is hard stuff. This is breaking my heart. By the way, did you know that in Time magazine about 20 years ago, they did an article this is back in the day when they had magazines?" And they did a study, medical, uh, a medical journal. All these medical experts got together and they asked themselves the question, why do we shed tears? What's the purpose of the tears that fall out of our eyes? And what they found was there's some chemical that inside of us is released that when we shed tears, when we cry, that it releases the process of healing that begins. Isn't that cool? God is so good. He's so good to us. Why I bring that up is let your heart break for him. Let your heart break for the things that breaks his heart. As as much as Jesus loved the temple, the temple was a place of worship. There were exact dimensions when that temple was built, certain protocols and areas that they walked into that temple into the very very holy of holies and only the priest could go in there as beautiful as it must have been the thing that really broke his heart is lost people Mission Vale Christian look I love you you know we're together in this thing but I want so much for us together to share his heart for people people that are lost that just need God now we're going to move into this next scene. This, this, is, this is a tough one. If I was to ask you on your phone to pull up pictures and images of Jesus, you might come up with some of the ones that there's a lamb over Jesus' shoulders, right? I like that one. Um, there might be one of him on the Sermon on the Mount, or one of probably our favorite ones, he's walking on water, or calling Peter to step out of the boat. Man, that's, that's where I want to be, stepping out and walking on the water with Jesus, but this one right here, I don't see very many paintings. I don't see very many images. I don't see very many pictures of this next one that we're going to look at. Let's, let's read the next verses, 45 through 48. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. And he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple, my house will be a house of prayer you, you have turned it into a den of thieves. And so he said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And after that, he taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, and the other leaders of the people began planning, isn't this sad, how to kill him? But they could think of Nothing. Because all the people hung on every word he said. The place of the temple was a place that God created for his people to worship him, to connect with God, to get teaching, and most of all, to receive the the sacrifice for our sins. When they brought a family, the Jewish people would bring their family up to Jerusalem And they would go to the priests and those that worked in the Levites that made sure the temple was was just in order and everything was just as God commanded it in the Old Testament. When they brought that animal, they trusted because these are my leaders. the, The priests, they're the ones that have been called by God to take care of us, to shepherd us, to teach us, to lovingly care. And why Jesus is so ticked off Why he's so angry, why he is so mad is because pride, arrogance, and greed had taken them over. I I just want you to see the scene of this beautiful place as we walk up the steps into the temple area. There's an outer court. And as we walk closer and closer in, I want you to see animals that are going by, people that are cutting through the temple irreligiously without any reverence and awe that this is a holy place. I I just need you to see the scene that they were taking shortcuts to try and get what they wanted. There's no shortcuts with God, man. You got to go his way. And that's how you're going. His way is the best way. When we start coming up with our own plans, our own schemes, our own ways, God is saying, no, I want you to come my way. And the religious leaders saw all these opportunities because their hearts were so corrupt the, 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 the men that God had called, they're supposed to be set apart to be examples of God. And that's why if Jesus, one group of people that Jesus was so hard on when he said, you whitewashed tombs, your hearts are blackened. When he said things like that to these men, you are nothing but dead men's bones. That, that's Jesus. Now, he can say all that stuff, but he said that because you're the ones you're supposed to be leading you're supposed to be ones with tears in your eyes that are crying over the people. I've given you responsibility to teach the very word, my word, the Torah, to the people and be the example. And instead, you're, 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 you're holding them to such hard restrictions. They can't get to me. That, that's, that's God's heart. It, my people can't get to me because of you. And that's why Jesus is so, in the book of Mark, it says he pulled out a whip of cords. And I just tell you? This is not a happy scene, but there's part of me that when someone is strong who's leading and their strength and it comes from God, Jesus is not out of control. Oh no, he is absolutely in self-control, but he will make a statement here. You will not do this to my people and you will not do this to the sacred place. And therefore the cord of whip comes out and he drives everyone. He never hurt any animals. We don't have any record that he hurt anyone, but he was making a statement. You will not call this place. What you have called it, you are ripping people off in the name of God. You are, you are lining the pockets of your shrouds with the people who have hard work saved their money and given their very best lamb. They've given their very best and you're taking it in the back and you're saying that you're sacrificing it and I know you're not. You are not sacrificing. You are taking that animal out the back door and reselling it to another family out with you. Out with you, all of you. What does he want? He wants repentance. Yes, that's right. And sometimes repentance comes through a hard word. Sometimes it comes through a gentle word. I want to say this. That Jesus called his house a house of prayer. You're supposed to be, he's talking to the people of the, you're supposed to be in prayer, in an attitude of prayer. You're supposed to have an atmosphere in my temple of prayer. The disciples, the 12, they understood prayer because they saw Jesus praying. Jesus did not say, my house should be a house of preaching, although there's preaching because God wants us to learn the word of God and then go out and serve people. That's part of why we come, we worship and get instructed, okay, Jesus, I worshiped you, I love you, thank you for dying for me, and now we're going to go tackle the world because we have the word and we have your Holy Spirit. That's part of what Sunday morning is. But what he's not saying is, my house should be a place of worship songs. We're supposed to have worship, but he's trying to make emphasis My house shall be called a house of prayer. It's the attitude and the atmosphere of prayer that sets everything in the right place. Now, the apostles knew this. They didn't ask many questions of Jesus if it wasn't in their best interest, right? But they do ask a few. And one of them that I like is, Lord, they didn't ask, teach us how to preach, Teach us how to feed people like you fit. Teach us how to pray like you. I don't think they asked him, hey, we want you to teach us, Jesus, how to pray because his prayers were so eloquent, as beautiful as they were. It wasn't because of the tone of his voice. It wasn't, I don't believe, because of the very words. I think they saw something down deep in Jesus' heart that he's so connected with the Father. He's so connected with God on an intimate level. They said, we want this kind of intimacy with you. We want this kind of intimacy that you talk about the Father. We've never heard that before. We've never seen anyone pray like you. We want to do what you do. Isn't that the greatest compliment that somebody can give you? We want to follow God like you follow God. I see something in you that I want. Because I've been searching for it. I've been searching for peace. Jesus says, I'll give you inner peace. I want what you have the disciples after jesus now we're gonna fast forward here he dies on the cross which by the way every day was calculated in the same very uh uh, techno that we saw here in all the numbers the very day that jesus was crucified was also prophesied in the bible third day he rises again he then spends 40 days with the disciples for final instructions he says guys i need you to go to jerusalem and i need you to wait for the promise that I'm going to give you. Now, if Jesus says, hey, I need you to sit on the first row, the third seat over next to Pastor Zach, I need you to do that and just wait. I'm game. I'm in. Even though I don't understand exactly what he's saying, but if he told me to do it, I'm doing it. So if I'm sitting on that third chair and Jesus then comes in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit power, like the Bible says, a mighty rushing wind. They were in this upper room where Jesus had taken his disciples many times. And he says, guys, I need you to go and I need you to wait there. Why is he doing this? Because he's saying, no longer are you going to have to go to the temple now to offer sacrifices. You are my temple. And I'm going to so fill you with myself. You are going to have, pa- you are going to say things. You are going to heal people. You are going to fix, you are going to be able to see someone who's poor and and, and destitute in this life and give them something so satisfying in the heart, a relationship with me. You're going to stand back and say, it's not me, it's God. And how do I know that? Because in Acts chapter one, it says this, verse 14, and they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women. Catch this, the Mary or the mother of Jesus, Mary, with them in a prayer meeting can you imagine you're praying with the mother of jesus that's where they were they were constantly i want you to see this mark this in your bibles make a note 114 acts 14 they were constantly in prayer and jesus's brothers hearts were drawn together jesus taught them about prayer unless we pray we will not have the power of god in our life We can deceive ourselves into thinking we're walking in the power. But if we do not pray, if we do not connect with him, we're not going to see anything eternal happen or have the joy of living every day. Man, I want to walk with Jesus every day. I want to sense his power. I want to be under his leadership. I want to be under his rule. I want to say, Mike, I want you to go over here because this is what I'm going to plan for you today and be able to sense where he's leading. And prayer is the power source. Now, I just want to reference here because fast forwarding to where Jesus is already in heaven at the right hand of the Father, Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. Peter and John have had a bad day. They've been whipped and beaten and thrown in prison because they have not broken any laws, because they have just told people about Jesus. In fact, they were ordered by the chief elect to say, you are not to ever speak in that name again. They went right outside the doors and started talking about Jesus that very moment. I love it. But after they were cascaded by all of these chief people, elders and rulers and all these religious people, church people. When I say church people, you folks are not church people. Church people elect the ones that in the Jesus movement that said to Chuck Smith, we don't want all these hippies in the church. That's church people. Those are religious people. And I love what Chuck said. The door swings both ways. Here's what, here's what happened in Acts chapter 4 verses 23 to 31. On their release, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and licked their wounds and had their sorrows. No, that's not what it said. It says they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. In other words, they went to these, their, their own people, their peeps, and they said, look, this is what happened to us. This is what they told us. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together and complained and protested. No, that's not what they did. They raised their voices together to God in prayer. And here, you want to hear their prayer? You want to hear their prayer? Come back next week. No, we'll do it now. We got time. I think we have a few more minutes. I love their prayer. Oh, sovereign God, you made the heavens and the earth. You made the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, your father, David. Why do the nations rage and people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Do you hear what they're doing? They're talking to God. We understand the plan. We get it now because the Holy Spirit revealed it to them. It goes on. Here's their prayer. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants. Here it is. To speak the word of God with boldness. Stretch out your hand. Heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And they prayed and the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all, watch this, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. They didn't protest. They didn't fight back. They went back to a prayer meeting. They went back to a prayer meeting. When in trouble, pray. Pray. When challenged, pray. When you feel intimidated, pray. When you feel persecuted, pray. When you feel depressed, pray. When insecure about something, we all have insecurities. We all at times feel like we don't measure up. Pray. Let me just tell you about another guy, the Apostle Paul, who had this thing down. He had this thing. He's the one that wrote, Pray without ceasing. The Apostle Paul is blind. Do you remember this? He's on the road to Damascus. Jesus meets him. He falls flat on his back. He's blind for three days because God wants to get his attention. Saul, you're killing Christians. You're throwing them in prison. I want to save you, and I'm going to use you to save Gentile people and Jewish people. I need you to listen, and the only way sometimes we get to listen is he'll blind us for a certain amount of time, may not physically, but something, so we can hear his voice, now, God says to a guy named Ananias, I need you to go over and see this guy, Apostle Paul. I need you to go see him. And Ananias says, no way, dude. They didn't say, dude, excuse me, God. But he said, no way. I know Paul. I've heard stories. He kills Christians. He throws them in prison. I'm not going. God says, I need you to do what I need you to do. I need you to trust me. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas of the one called Soloth Tarsus. For behold, he is, watch this, praying. I never saw that till I was studying this week. The, the Paul, I didn't even, I, this is, I've been following Jesus for 35 years. I never saw this before till God revealed this. The apostle Paul was praying while he was blind. He already knew the secret power is in prayer, not to get God what I want, not to get God into my plan. God, you will do this for me. I demand that you do this. God, I'm wholly subjected God to you. I'm totally surrendered God to you. And in a vision, he has a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Come on, somebody in here, somebody in this room, you've been crying, complaining, you've been fitsing, you've been in a chokehold against God, you've been wrestling with God. God's pushed the side of your hip in just like he did Jacob to get your attention. And you've been fighting and skiffing and all that stuff with God. And God says, Stop, don't wrestle with me. Surrender to me. In prayer. In prayer. In prayer. I'll, I'll finish with this. Here's the danger brothers and sisters whom I love, family, the danger is we miss God like his own very people, the Jewish people. Some of them missed him because they were on their own agenda. Oh, they looked like followers of God. They followed the rules, but their hearts were far from me. The reality is more people are turning to crack than they're turning to Christ. That's the raw fact. You know it and I know it. This world is going down the tubes. This world has so much destitute, so much evil, so much opposition against God. It used to be tolerated. Now there's, it's an in your face, sin in your face. This is what I'm doing and I'm proud of it. It's, it's a different world out there. And our response is, should be, I weep, I cry over the fact that you're missing such a wonderful thing, knowing Jesus, which moves me to action, moves me to action. How are we missing the mission of God today? I I, I really want us to ask that question. How do we miss the message that God has for the world? And when we say world, just like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. But really what he says, God so loved, I love you, Zach. I know that you're going to, I'm going to bring Angelina into your life. You're going to have three wonderful children. I got things planned for you. But Zach, I want you to know I love you. You don't have to do anything to get my love. You don't have to act any way. You don't have to. All you need to do is just stay still. My boys were little, so I I love the stage of life you're in right now, man. It's fun. Your kids still like you. (laughs) We had uh, we had we had one. I have two boys. I love them dearly. They're the the love of my life. And my one son, Jonathan, he's he was a climber. He climbed everything. He ran everywhere. We took him to Target. He he'd get lost. So many times, and my wife threatened, she wanted to get one of those leashes. I said, we are not putting a leash on our son. (laughs) But there are times even at home, he'd be running around and fits and involved in stuff and just couldn't. And I said, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Why did, come, Jonathan, come here, come here, come here, come here. Just let me, I just want to love you. Boy boy, that's that hit my heart. I'm working for you, God. I'm serving your church. I'm leading your church. I'm leading our staff. I wanna be, I wanna do this well. I want to shepherd your people well and running and running. We got National Day of Prayer. We gotta have prayer nights. We gotta do all this stuff. I know, God, you wanna heal people, and I gotta prepare the sermon, I've gotta prepare for my men's life group and disciple these leaders. That, Slow down, dude. Let me love you so that I can flow through you. You don't have to do it for me. I've already done it. I just want to use you to flow through you. Change must begin with prayer. I cannot stress that enough. I cannot... Pound that into my own psyche and my own heart enough that prayer should be heartfelt and specific. I want you to come to the prayer meetings. When we have prayer meetings, I don't know, how many were here at the last prayer meeting? Oh, come on, there are more than the. the, the, the I know you're just tired. We're almost done. It went on for two hours. The prayer was powerful by, by, by you, but what really got my motor going When we just put the microphone up, and I just said, felt led of the Holy Spirit to say, What has Jesus done for you? And where do we need to repent? You come on up. Come on, this is a safe place. This is family. It's okay. I was amazed. I was amazed at how many people came up and just were authentic and raw and real and said, This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm afraid of. This is what I'm addicted to. I need help. And people gathered around other people and laying hands and praying. Did you see the movie Jesus Revolution yet? you got to go see that movie. There's a scene when Lonnie Frisbee is there, Chuck Smith. It's, it's, it's at the birth of Calvary Chapel. It's amazing. There's a guy who's brought in in a wheelchair. He's definitely on drugs. He's screaming and yelling at the top of his voice in the middle of a sermon. By the way, if the enemy starts something up in the middle of one of my messages, he's not going to intimidate me because I know the first thing we're going to do. We're going to start praying. We're just going to start praying. And that's exactly what happened. They laid hands on this guy. Everybody came over this guy in a wheelchair. And they laid hands on him and prayed over him and believed that God could deliver. This guy didn't have to go to the 12 steps. Nothing wrong with 12 steps. But his case, he didn't need to. God delivered him. And he got delivered of all these drugs and alcohol. It's an incredible story. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Heartfelt and specific. If you want God to do something, be specific with him. He loves that. Plus, he knows anyway. He wants our heart. The last two here is to make a decision to make your prayer life heartfelt. And one more. I really want you to make a decision to make your prayers specific. It's okay. Tell him what you want. He loves to hear from you. Let me love you. God, I pray In this moment, as we come to just this portion where we we get to focus on what really is important, it's your cross, your sacrifice, God, your surrender to the Father's will. God, I pray in this moment of communion that we have, that when we take this bread and we drink this juice, that we are remembering, we are entering into a place with you, God, that is total surrender that we can say, Not my life, not my will, not my plan, but yours, Jesus. I will serve you. I will let you love me in the stillness of this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. In the seat back in front of you, there's some small communion cups, and I I just... Please don't feel like you have to do this. I want you to want to do this, but this is your time to remember him because he said, hey, take this bread, eat this bread, drink this wine, drink this juice because it gives you something physical to remember my love for you. So we just take a few just still still moments and then we'll worship and then we'll conclude. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.